I'm going to limit to limit this to one minute of me just talking about what I'm doing. I do a little too much of that. Anyway, I wanted to do a podcast episode tonight. Just get one out there. I think I've been in a bit of a, uh, a slump with create, doing the podcast. Want to bring it back. Wally and I still need to set up a regular time to record episodes together. I've talked about that before. Schedule's changed. We still have to find a good time that overlaps. Going to just hit record. Well, actually, I wrote an outline, but going to hit record. Aim for 18 minutes. Anchor around a book. Grab some quotes. Summarize lessons. Make connections. That said, I'll get started. So the book that I'm talking about today is A Fighter's Heart by Sam Sheridan. It's one of my favorite books that I read this year. I'm a casual MMA fan. Watch most of the pay-per-views. Follow the subreddit. But couldn't tell you like who the Bellator champions are. My fighting experience is zero. I went to jiu-jitsu, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, for like eight classes. But they were so spread apart. It was just like I went to one class and have... It's not enough to learn, but I did learn a few things. It's hard, and one of the things I immediately saw was how little strength matters against actually knowing what you're doing. makes it extra hard for me because I'm not strong either. And one thing I remember about jiu-jitsu was I was playing Dark Souls at the time. Dark Souls 3, I was getting back into playing video games as well, so... There And it's one of the tougher games, and there was just a lot of overlap. I remember I would be playing Dark Souls, then leave, head to class, and then it's the same thing. It's just like losing over and over and over. And then slowly, once in a while, something good would happen. And it was a result of drill. It, th- there was a, some satisfaction there because it's not like getting lucky it was in both i guess dark Souls, but i am talking about uh, bjj where it it's not like you know i ended up choking anyone out or anything like that it was more like oh hey this person didn't have their way with me for one second because i remembered um to think about moving my hips in some certain direction so very basic things but there was a satisfaction in knowing like that you did this because you drilled it over and over and over. And I think there's just a lot of lessons from martial arts that can apply to life in general. So I'm going to try to talk about that, but I will talk about this book, Fighter's Heart. So Sam Sheridan, uh, what he does in this book is he is a kickboxer in Muay Thai, and he talks about going to Thailand to learn that, and that is a good chunk of the book, and then he does that similarly. He'll travel. He travels to Brazil to do jiu-jitsu. He travels to Oakland, I think it is, to work with Andre Ward and his trainer. Uh, and then he just, yeah, writes about like different lessons from that, what it's like to learn that. And it's a really great book for, a really great book for, learning about fighting culture around the world. If you like Fight World, that's that show on Netflix, you'll probably, and you like to read, then this book is similar, and it goes, I think, more in-depth for uh, different martial... Yeah, just, like, the lifestyle and what, what it's like to... That he also goes to, like, um, I forget, some, somewhere in the Midwest to learn, like, wrestling... To see, like, American wrestling culture. Um, so, yeah... 
definitely check it out if you enjoy anime. And it's written, I think, sometime in the 2000s, so over a decade old. And the reason that I want to talk about it is, well, I just like grabbed whatever I was just like frantically going through my Kindle highlights to my, I just opened up like the Kindle app to see what books could be worth talking about. I saw I'm reading the follow-up to this book, A Fighter's Mind, which I'll talk about in the future after I finish it. But I thought, yeah, maybe I can just review some of the highlights from A Fighter's Heart. So this first one, I'll just read this quote. Uh, well, actually, so what I, what I put here was for this title, share knowledge with other people from one domain to another. The quote is, it is one of the more interesting facets of MMA, the democracy. In MMA, there are no grandmasters, no belts, no fixed rank system. Knowledge is shared. So good strikers work out with good grapplers and they teach each other. Far superior fighters like Tony gave me help all the time. And then sometimes I would tell him about tell him about something I'd seen Thai fighters do in Thailand. And instead of dismissing me, he and the others listened carefully. They were willing to take knowledge from ev- anywhere. That's the end of the quote. I just really like that mindset. And it does... Yeah, he, he also talks about MMA in this book and how the different martial arts fit into it. And then the culture that MMA itself has where, yeah, like this mentions, there's no belt system. There's no, the system you follow is your fighting record. And then uh, the different promotions where you get to see like what it really means to be. Yeah. You you show that you're, you're a certain rank because you're the best at it. And uh, you eventually move on to bigger and bigger promotions until you are the UFC champion. And then, Something recently is uh, Israel Adesanya. He won the belt and wanted to respect the game, so he wants to defend it over and over. And that was kind of the more uh, traditional route, instead of having the super fight and moving up and down weight classes, was to just defend your belt and, yeah, just solidify. That's how you became remembered over time. Anyway... That's kind of, yeah, away from uh, the point of this was like sharing knowledge. So in MMA, it is this important thing of appreciating that no single martial art has the, is is the one, you do need to have this balanced game and to be ready for uh, top practitioners in, yeah, like in all of the fields, I guess. I'm lost. I, yeah, fields, I guess. Other martial arts. Um, and, yeah, that applies to all sorts of things of being open to ta- not being so close-minded, taking knowledge from other fields. Um, and then something, something I just read recently was Creative Calling by Chase Jarvis, and he talks about the importance of if you are doing creative work, you're, you're writing in some genre it's important to consume things you enjoy in other genres and other mediums. I watch good television, watch good movies. I always kind of balk at these self-development, like self-development content, that kind of thing, how to improve and business things where they still use this trope of wasted time watching TV where I th- yeah, if, I think if you are at whatever the crazy average that people will cite of like oh f- 
average Amer- American watches on average four hours of TV a night, something like that. If, if you're really watching four hours a night and then also saying you don't have time for creative work, you don't have time for your side projects, then there's a disconnect there. You do have time. That said, some of the best entertainment and some of the best, like, I, I mentioned this previously to I forget where I, I said this, but just kind of like following the money. There's so much money that goes in. The, the highest paid entertainers are in movies. Uh, well, beyond sports, I guess, after sports, where it's just pure entertainment. Movies, music, uh, television. But the biggest teams are working on movies and television, I think. I mean, I haven't like checked that, but uh, definitely like some of the biggest teams are working on movies and television like if you look at well just watch the credits for any blockbuster and see how many people work on that movie and then same thing with tv that yeah so my lesson here go watch some tv anyway the thing i was getting at was just to um if, if all you're doing is reading books and i think i find myself this is me talking to myself now is like there were there are certain I'll always go through like periods where all I read is nonfiction books. Some of them are not, I, I would say like good nonfiction books are usually like narrative nonfiction, things like Moneyball or I don't know, uh, Michael Lewis books. I do enjoy Malcolm Gladwell books. Then there are, I, I read a lot of other nonfiction books too that aren't as good as those just as far as like, the storytelling of it goes. Some of them really could just be bullet lists or like bulleted list summaries, and you'd get kind of the same value out of it. With there, there is use case or uh, case studies in the books that help to cement things. But some case studies are more interesting than others, and some are just repeated. Um, but share knowledge with other people one domain to another if you are only reading one type of book then consider branching out a little bit and then always consider like how that can apply to whatever it is you're making next the title i had here read listen but practice to know it intuitively this is about directness the quote I have here is, and there is a tremendous difference between knowing something by having read or been told it and knowing something by having it become clear to you through intuition. I really like the idea of actually applying the things that you're reading or learning and that will actually, that's when the actual learning happens. That's how you cement things. I think the best example I have of this is learning to program where you have a personal project that you have in mind, some something that you want to achieve, and then you go through a programming tutorial, and then you try to apply whatever that was to whatever it is you're making, because the tutorial will just be like some generic, some kind of generic project that's not directly related to what you're doing. But yeah, actually applying that then cements it because you've thought of a problem on your own. You then actually practice. You you go through the lesson to learn it, but then you put it in practice on your own thing and you solve your own problem. And that whole loop really, really can cement things. And it would be nice if that was more clear in other uh, fields of 
like I, if, if there was something like that for say podcasting, I guess I could do that right now in that, Hey, I have a solo episode that I'm doing. I want to make this more interesting. So now I should go read a tutorial about how to make this more interesting and then apply it directly to this, which I'm not doing and I should do. And I think what I need to do is learn some storytelling techniques, build that in here, uh, put some narrative into this, uh, maybe, you know, grab some, grab some sounds from, uh, a jujitsu gym. These are all terrible ideas, but that would be a better way to improve this than, to just do it kind of like aimlessly. So yeah, th this is just kind of like a reminder to myself to continue to think about if my intent when reading a book is to learn, which is not all the, always the case because there's definitely like books I just want to read for entertainment. Uh, I just want to. And anyway, if it's explicitly to learn, then I need to make sure that I'm thinking of ways that I can apply it to my own life. That's where things can get cemented. Otherwise, yeah, it's like some of the knowledge will be picked up through reading. But yeah, may maybe like when a situation comes up where that can be applied, then I'll remember uh, whatever lesson it was that I read. But there's so little retention in a book. That, or, uh, yeah, like the percentage of retention is so low that it's better to grab a piece, try to apply it directly, and then pour some concrete over it. Next quote, what I wrote here was feeling through fighting. So it says, this quote says, fighting is a way to feel an anti-video game, a way to force something to happen. That's what brought me back to it. Because when I've fought someone, I know something has happened. How many days of your life pass you by that you, you could take or leave when nothing really happened? This is why I've been fighting every day, picking fights with people. This is not what I'm doing. But I have been thinking a little more about, yeah, this, I, I know I can get into like these periods where every day, for the most part, like at least the, the parts of the day when I'm alone, it's you go to the gym, sometimes you go to work. And then the, so many days, there's this idea that I, I don't know if there's like scientific evidence of this or what it is, but it definitely makes sense to me that, uh, as far as like the time perception where some months fly by, you don't know where the year went. Other times it's like, wow, like it's only been a few weeks and so much has happened. And what determines that is how similar the days are, uh, one after the other and how many of them, because the more similar they are, the more they overlap. It's, it, they just blend into, and it just feels like it's one day. So the times where you look back and it feels like time flew by, oftentimes that's because you were doing like the same routine every single day and they just blend together because they're the same thing. There, there's a different thing here too, where I think you could get like that flying by feeling because your days were so crazy and so hectic that you don't have time to think, but yeah, you can get that same like short time perception if your days are the same. So I've been thinking a little more about how to experience New York and not have these days where like this quote says, like how many days of your life pass by that you could take or leave, like take it or leave it, whatever those nothing when nothing really happened those days 
or it, it it's easy to have those days. I've had plenty of those days. I've had plenty of those days like in the past month. Um, and the key here, I think spend time with other people. That's one way to just make sure that you don't have these days where the things just pass by kind of mindlessly. Then, yeah, for me, I'm trying to experience New York, trying to explicitly like plan out this is a thing from a Laura Vanderkam book. It's called Off the Clock, where she addresses this issue or just talks about how hosting a dinner party takes a lot of effort. It's a lot of times, like social activities take a lot of effort, but it's always worth it in the end. It's worth the effort because then you can spend time with people that you love. And yeah, speaking of, we just hosted our first dinner. Amy and I at our new apartment. Well, new as of like three months ago, but super fun time. We did have to clean for a couple hours during that day, but pick up some Popeyes, but it was a great, great time. And definitely like one of those days where I definitely wouldn't describe it as some, like one of the nights that I could just take it or leave it. So this doesn't really have to do with fighting, but, um, if you're not going to join, if you're not going to find a way to fight regularly, then think about different ways that think about the past, like three months and when you felt, I guess, most alive and then think of how you can fill your life with that. I will, this again, reminds me of another thing. It's the Scooter Braun and Bill Simmons, uh, Scooter Braun interview with Bill Simmons. I think it was last year or yeah, probably around year ago i know scooter braun controversial with the taylor swift stuff in any case i really love that episode he had with bill simmons and then he talks about becoming rich and find he had a number in mind i've told this i think i've talked about this on the podcast as well but i'll just say it again he has a number in mind he had a number in mind of like oh if i hit this this is my net worth then i know that's when i'm gonna feel good about things he hits that number pretty young realizes this is he doesn't feel good at all and then talks to his dad about it and his dad gives him advice that seems so clear and it's hard to disagree with but it's one thing again like going back to that last lesson or that last quote about like we can read it hear it even believe it but until you take action on it then you're not it, it's not really a value that you have unless you're doing more than just thinking it and saying it. So yeah, back to, yeah. So his dad says, think about the times in the past year when you have really enjoyed your life. Like what has made, like filled you with joy, made you happy. Think about that. Call me back. And then he does that eventually calls his dad back. And then his dad says, okay. And it's, it's stuff like spending time with his sons shooting playing basketball with his friends hitting threes what like that kind of thing spending time with his wife i think yeah it's things like these calls his dad back says okay yeah these are the things i really really enjoy this is where my time has been most valuable and it's even stuff like answering fans on facebook i think that's what it was but like directly helping other people interacting with them directly but yeah, so he tells his dad that, and his dad says, okay, it's it's simple now. Now figure out ways that you can fill your life up with more of those activities. And that seems so so straightforward. Um, 
but then putting that into action is another thing. Anyway, that's something to think about. What fills you with joy and why are you not doing more of it? And then what do you hate doing and why are you still doing it? This reminded me of the 80-20 principle. It's this book pretty much about 80-20, or it's whatever way you want to put it. Uh, and then it applies for a lot of different things, the 80-20 principle, but I think it comes from 80% of the land is owned by 20% of the people, or you'll hear it as like 80% of the wealth is distributed and or is owned by 20% of the people. Same thing with your time. 80% of your happiness comes from 20% of your time. So what 20% of your time is contributing to like that much happiness increase to that and then looking you can put everything through this lens so the other side of that is 80 percent of your unhappiness is coming from 20 percent of your activities which which of those can you eliminate anyway this is to get to feeling like you have days where you're, you're alive last one i know i'm like getting way past 18 minutes so last quote this is about gameness and yeah, there's a section in here about dogfighting, which is not MMA at all, but pretty interesting to hear about. And there is this phrase called gameness. And I think it's the same thing as like, where like Jorge Masvidal is game bred. So that's kind of the phrase. And, uh, it's this idea of not of like, uh, this dog is game ready is I guess it's it is this that thing of uh, where Israel Adesanya said he he was willing to die in the ring that kind of thing like you'd rather die is <laughs> the kind of thing so uh, here's this quote in this way if your dog is losing badly but still game you should pick him up because you can breed him on if he hasn't quit pick him up real dog men don't need to see a dog die if you've got a decent dog you would never let him die it ain't about winning it's about not quitting. John said, if I got five generations of something that won't quit, I might get something. So that's the idea of like the taking like a business phrase of like key metrics. The key metric that the dog breeders look for is gameness, just not quitting. So gameness is kind of like the opposite. To be game is to like never want to quit. And I, I just thought this was interesting. I don't know how I will apply this to life, but I did want to talk about uh, Jorge Masvidal. I'm a Ben Askren fan, kind of bummed to, but I do like uh, Masvidal. He, there is a a good video. Uh, I mean, one of the like coolest looking submissions was on him, where he got choked out uh, between someone's legs. Triangle choke. I don't know exactly. This is how casual I am of a fan. I don't know the exact name of these things. But Ariel Helwani interviews him. So this is, I think, the video date said like nine years ago. And yeah, he, he asks about that loss and asks him his thoughts about it. And yeah, he says like, oh yeah, I watched it a few times. I watched it enough. Uh, but he, he he does give credit where it's due. And he says, yeah, it, like, credit to him, it was a pretty cool-looking submission, basically. He doesn't say that, like, word for word, but he says, like, yeah, I understand why people are enjoying watching that, because it was 
crazy thing. But then he says, yeah, I watched it to, to learn from it. And he should have shifted this way. Here's what I was thinking. He said, I didn't think it was on too tight, but then the calf got under and that was that. Um, but he never really, he never tapped out. He, he and it wasn't, yeah. And that, that's, it goes back to this idea of gameness, not quitting. So think I'm not going to like try to preach here. Think about the, the challenges you're going through and don't quit. Uh, I think first ask for help. Uh, and it's okay to stop doing something, but I'm not going to quit this podcast. I will continue to not quit this podcast because it has been one of the, as far as like the past three years of things that I've made, it had, and most of it is the do creating something with someone else. So creating this with Wally, the eighty twenty of things that I've made online, uh, content, content, content. Um, the things that were most fun in the moment to make were the podcast. So, do you want to keep this alive? Keep it going, because I want to have a, a fighter's heart when it comes to creating online content. Anyway, uh, yeah, check out the book, A Fighter's Heart by Sam Sheridan. Thanks for checking this out. I'll do more of these, hopefully get better. If I can continue to do these things, be have gameness, um, make the audience feel alive so that this is not 18 minutes that they could have taken or, or left, or 27 minutes at this point. And then also I'm going to read and listen to things to learn how to improve this until I can practice and then apply it so that I know it intuitively. And lastly, I'm going to share knowledge from other people, from one domain to another. So take from whatever it is, American, American wrestling, see how hard they train. They carry each other up the stairs on their backs and then hold hold barbell plates above their head for 45 minutes, that kind of thing. And I'll apply that same kind of rigor to this podcast. I promise that. (laughs) Thanks for checking this out.